Good morning, church. Please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. Let me remind you that May the 2nd, this coming Thursday, is our National Day of Prayer. And I hope you will join me in lifting up our families, our leaders, those who are struggling to take care of themselves in the world, uh, everyone on this particular day. But we'd love for you to do that with us at the Kerr County Courthouse from 12 to 1. Uh, the Ministerial Alliance is gathering uh, as many folks as they possibly can through their various churches to meet as one united force there to pray on the courthouse steps. Uh, I'm going to try to get there around a uh, quarter till and then so they can start right at 12 o'clock and then it'll run through 1 o'clock. If you're a first-time guest, wow, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, you're welcome uh, any and every time that you've got a chance to be able to make room in your schedule to come join us. And I think you're going to find these folks are delightful. If you're visiting, I'm a newbie too. I've only been here a couple of months. And, uh, and so you're learning names right along with me and learning some new faces. Uh, and we hope that you'll be blessed uh, by your time here today. If you're new, you walked into a series of lessons that I'm calling, God Did What?, and in it, we're taking some time to look in Scripture at some of the uh, amazing, some of the bizarre, uh, some of the wondrous things that God has done. But we're doing so not just because we want to know what God did, but we're finding out through those things, we're seeing what God does. And so he not only spoke as we saw in week one, we realize now he still speaks and he invites us to hear him. Last week, we saw that God not only rested he rests, and he invites us to rest with him. And so I'm curious, did you hear his invitation to come, all who are weary and heavy laden, who are burdened and stressed and frazzled and worn out, to come to me? Because I promise you, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And I promise you, you will find rest for your souls here. You say, well, Jimmy, what does that mean? Learn from me. Many things. But I hope you learn this. I hope we get this. That as followers of Christ, we need a healthy work ethic. But we need a healthy rest ethic. We need that. I hope you heard from God this last week, and I mean that with all of my heart. And I know that phrase can be thrown around just like it's a greeting or some kind. Preacher heard something from the Lord, or he's asking you, did you hear from the Lord? Sometimes that can be misused. Sometimes preachers are guilty of doing just that. I know of one who was honest about it. Don Morris tells a story on himself. He's the ex-president of ACU. He was out raising funds one afternoon, and he was at Brother Jones's ranch. They were talking about... All that they had done to the place, they were looking over some cattle pens at the moment. And he remembered that last year, Brother Jones had given a substantial donation to the university. And so Dr. Morris was hoping he might just give another. So with a wry smile, he said, Brother Jones, the Lord told me you're going to give us another $50,000 this year. To which Brother Jones said, yes, sir, and I intend to. Just as soon as he says something to me about it. Did you hear anything from God this week about rest? I so hope you did. I don't stand to gain anything personally from it. Well, not really. 
I will stand to gain a brother or sister who has enough energy left to parent. Enough energy left to be a good mate. Enough energy left to be a teenager who's not on antidepressants already by the age of 17. To have enough energy left to be a Bible class teacher who comes and brings their passion to help plant passion in a 10-year-old about Jesus. You stand to gain a lot from hearing from God about rest. But this body of Christ stands to gain a lot as well. I am so grateful to the response from last Sunday's lesson to tell you I was a little bit nervous about it. But your cards, literally your, your emails, your texts have been hugely positive. But there was also the other. How in the world are we going to stop achieving and winning and making time for and doing and just be still? It was actually said, that's impossible. Well, God would like to have a word with you if you think that's true. All things are possible with God. They may be impossible with man, but they are all possible with God. Now, I can't say that's true about a lot of things with integrity and mean it. But when it comes to rest in him, oh, I can. And he would love to have a word with you about that if you really think it's impossible. This generation, I believe, with all of my heart, has to be the one that hears God on this particular subject and then acts on it. Because I really believe with all of my heart that if we don't, our life at best is just going to be an illusion of life. Clovis Chapel, a minister from a century back, used to tell the story of two paddle boats. They left Memphis about the same time traveling down the Mississippi River to New Orleans. And as they traveled side by side, some sailors from one of the vessels made remarks about the snail's pace of the other. Well, words were exchanged, some challenges were made, and then it was race on. The competition became vicious as the two boats roared down through the south. People would lie in the shores as they heard about the paddle boats that were coming through. One boat fell behind, not enough fuel. There had been plenty of coal for the trip, but not enough coal for a race. Now, as the boat dropped back, an enterprising young sailor took some of the ship's cargo and he tossed it in the oven. When the sailors saw that the supplies burned as well as the coal, they fueled their boat with all the material that they had contracted to transport. Well, they won the race, but they burnt the cargo. All of it. Now, that's got to be a preacher's story. I didn't have a chance to Google it and see if it was true. But I still think there's truth in that story. God has entrusted us with some precious cargo, hadn't he? Children and spouses and friends and parents and jobs. And I believe it's our job to make sure this cargo gets to its final destination. Amen? That's our job. But church, I'm concerned that too many of our families resemble the steamboats in Dr. Chapel's story. With the pace that we're attempting to live with and all of its activities and all of its going and all of its spending and all of its pressing and all of its stressing, you would have thought someone has declared race on. And we're going to win it or else. It's see, or else it concerns me. How much cargo are we sacrificing in order to achieve what we consider to be the prize? How many people never reach the destination because of an aggressive, competitive captain and wife? And the answer is too many. Too many. And the solution is too obvious. We need a plan for rest in our lives. 
God Almighty himself has invited us to come aside with him and renew and recalibrate and be refreshed to be still and know that he is God. Hear the word of the Lord again. Psalms 37 verse 7. Be still and know that I am the Lord. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their evil ways and when they carry out their wicked schemes. Psalms 46.10. Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. For some eventually. For those of us who are his body, he would like that to be now. How many of us have said, and maybe I quote one of your prayers, God, (laughs) I know what you've asked, but have you seen my schedule? Have you seen all the things I have to do? All the stuff I got to get done? How how you could really help, Lord, is not to limit how many days I have to get it done in. What you could really do is help me with a little cash to finance some of the things I want to do and the health and the energy to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. P.S. Your will be done. (laughs) We think that. I pray that. I've been there, done that. Burned that. We're winning the race, church, but we're burning the cargo. And we're in a culture where that really doesn't matter much. But in the Lord's culture, in His kingdom, it matters much. Reader's Digest reports five out of the top ten prescriptions are written for patients for anxiety. Five out of the top ten of all prescriptions are written for patients for anxiety. And we're in those numbers. Christians, followers of the Prince of Peace. Whoa, something's wrong here. That we're in those numbers and the Prince of Peace is our Lord and Savior. There is no doubt that God wants us to have a healthy work ethic, yes. But Scripture wants us to know He wants us to have a healthy rest ethic. Literally from Genesis chapter 1 and 2 all the way through to Revelation, God talks about rest in me. So I'm back this week to ask you to join me in getting this life back to a walk in Christ and not a race in Christ. I'm calling this lesson the rest of the rest story. He rested. Part two. You say, well, Jimmy, all right. All right. You're 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 starting to convince me. How do you do it, though? How do you move from being so stressed? How do you move from being so tired? How do you move from being so easily angered and going and go? What is the formula for that? Well, I'm going to tell you. In a moment. But first, I want you to look in on Jesus teaching about this subject of rest without him ever saying the word Sabbath. Mark chapter 10 and verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but a few things are needed. Or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken from her. Let's pray, church. Lord, 
We're trying to be still, at least for a moment, and know that you're God. We're trying to have ears to hear. But this culture helps us have a little earwax in there. And it's hard to filter truth sometimes and make it our own. And so I'm asking this morning, would you please help us? But I'm not only just asking for us. I'm also asking for those who are meeting at St. Peter's Episcopal Church. Father, you know the brothers and sisters who are part of our family. You and you alone know, Father, who are the disciples, the true disciples of Jesus Christ. And together we pray that you hear our hearts cry this morning. That you will help help us hear and help us do. Help us all as a body of Christ to respond to your call to come and rest with you. Please show us, lead us, and if need be, discipline us till we get this right. For heaven's sake. In Jesus' name, all the church said. Amen. This story, not parable, this event in the life of Christ is for those of us motionaholics. And God includes this story in the life of his son, I think, for a reason. It's the tale of two sisters. Jesus decides to have lunch with them, and they've got to be absolutely thrilled. He is in their home. What an honor it is to have this new, cutting-edge rabbi doing all these incredible things in their house. Now, how that's expressed by Mary is giving him her undivided attention to soak up his presence in her life, to capitalize on having him all to herself for a moment. Just being with him is what Mary wants to do. Martha, I think, is equally ecstatic to have him in her house. She's thrilled, however, about doing. Doing for him the best that she can. She wants the house right and the table right and the food right. And so she is busy straightening and she's setting and preparing and she's serving. And every time she goes from the kitchen to the dining area, she's got her hands full. And her sister is sitting on hers. Not good. And I don't know how long this went on. I don't know how many trips she made back and forth. But I'm guessing Jesus probably tells a joke and Mary just laughs. And Martha cannot take it another moment. She stops with plates in one hand and the broom in the other. And she says, don't you care that I'm doing everything and my sister's doing nothing? To which Jesus says, Martha, Martha. Side note, if Jesus ever says your name twice, not a good thing. (laughs) Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen that one thing. And it will not be taken from her. I got to ask a question. Sister, did you come here today worried and stressed out over much? Brother, did you walk into the assembly today just absolutely upside down with stress? I know those of you out there who hate this story, suffer from marthaplexy, workaholism. And that sometimes bleeds over not just into a job, but also into our home and also into the church. I mean, we are doing and going and and fixing and serving. And you hate this story because it makes you feel scolded. 
It makes you feel like you're in the wrong. So please hear this. Jesus never condemns Martha for what she's doing. He just reprioritizes it. Doing for Jesus is good. But hear the word of the Lord from Luke 10. Being with Jesus is better. Knowing Jesus is better. And I really believe with all my heart we've got to reclaim that as the body of Christ. I know that's not the case all the time. <laughs> Some of my brothers and sisters were actually concerned that this, this series on rest was going to really mess up the need that we have for you to serve in the church. I get that. Because we always need help to serve in the church. We always do. But you know what I believe is going to help open up some room in your life to be able to be a help to the church instead of just showing up and creating more problems because you show up harried and stressed and pushed and there's nothing really of you left to give but more of your anger that they get at the house, more of your stressed outism that you get at the job, is some rest. Rest. Now, I, I, I realize some of you got this rest thing down. What you really need is a sermon on work. All right. That's what you need as a sermon. Now, we'll do one of those. I promise you it's coming. But in this culture right now, what we need in this church culture is some lessons from the word of God on rest. That's what we need. Please don't tell me what this text isn't saying, Martha's. What is it saying? Think about it. Having Jesus in the house is an incredible thing. I can't imagine. It would have been a thrill to have him there where you could see him and touch him and talk to him. Imagine, wouldn't it be great if it was possible that instead of just having him in your house, he could be in you? Wouldn't it be incredible if, if literally you could be the place where he resided and you could have a relationship with, not just when he was in some structure, but all the time, wherever you are? Would that be incredible? Now, I'm saying that sarcastically because those of you in Christ who know anything about this word know it is not just incredible, it's very possible. That when I say yes to Jesus Christ and to become his follower, he not only absolves me of my sins, but he moves in. And is willing to walk and talk with me anytime that I want to draw near to him. Anytime I will slow down long enough to draw near to him. I have to believe that whether he's in a structure and you're having lunch with him or he's in your heart and you're having lunch with him, Jesus would prefer hanging out with you rather than trying to keep up with you. And I ask him to do that way too often. We know that peace is supposed to be one of the marks of the fruit of the Spirit and it's love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, and self-control. Something that he's willing to, to bring up within us if we just allow him to. I know what your baptism certificate says. Disciple of Christ. Follower of the Prince of Peace. Got a date on it. What does your walk say? Or is it more like a race? God would love to hang out with you. God would love to speak to you. He would love to renew you, but he can't get many of you to stop long enough to do it. Doing for him is good. Doing for him is scriptural. But Jesus says, hear the word this morning. Being with him is better. So let me ask. When does he get time? 
When does he qualify for some of your passion? Not just your passing through or passing by. When does he qualify for some of your passion? If you don't make resting for him a priority this last week, if you didn't do that, what's it going to take this week? Because I'm not letting you off. Do you want to hear a third sermon? I'm capable. (laughs) I can do a third one. What's it going to take? It isn't going to be guilt. That won't last long. It probably won't even last to the parking lot. But if you see this as a gift, a gift, I know it's not Christmas. I know it's not your birthday. It may be your birthday. But this is a gift from God specifically to you. Come to me. Come on. All of you who are tired of living like this, weary, stressed out, pressed, pushed, the competition, come rest with me. Please. And I want to tell you exactly how to do that. You ready? Now, I can't tell you right now because I've got two things I've got to tell you about that you've got to have in your heart before the how-to is going to make any sense or matter. One of them is this. You're going to have to see God's laws as a blessing, not a burden. I can give you all the list in the world. I can give you all the little guiding principles that go with anything. But until you've established in your heart, it's just determined. It's settled. God's laws are a blessing, not a burden. I did not put Butch up to what he said for the communion thoughts this morning. Isn't that cool, though, how the Spirit weaves all this stuff together? I did not ask John to sing the song. How do I get this old, dried-up heart of mine refreshed and renewed? How, how do I create a time when I would want to say any place other than the church, how great thou art? When I rest with him a little bit, and I walk through some valleys, looked at some sunsets, and listened to some thunders, and to hear some music, to spend time with him in his word, listening, not just checking another list of things to do. Hear the word of the Lord, Isaiah 58, verse 13. A little bit different tech on the Sabbath. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land to feast on the inheritance of your fathers. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Are you hearing him? For some of you, I can tell you this, it won't be until you are flat on your back. Till you crash and burn. And that's why the repetition of this particular lesson to follow up last week's lesson. To underscore this idea of rest. And it's not just some novel sermon that sportsmen put together. It is a word from the Lord. Because some of you are on the verge of a stroke and you don't know it. Some of you are on the verge of a, of a, a breakdown in your marriage and you don't know it. Some of you are on the verge of, of just losing just losing it. And leaving and running and getting away and doing something absolutely stupid because you were just fried. And this lesson from the Lord is hopefully to catch you before the meltdown happens. I got to watch one happen point blank with a friend of mine by the name of Mike. We were in Ruidoso, 
had known them for five, six, seven years, great deacon in the church, passionate servers of the Lord, did all kinds of cool things for Christ. And Mike just crashed and burned emotionally, physically, and mentally. He literally did what some of you dream about doing, left one day. Didn't tell anybody where he was going. It's because he didn't want anybody to know. And for two full days, 48 hours, nobody had a clue where he was and what had happened to him. And he wanted it that way. He was not dead, but he was done. Done. He didn't go far. Didn't stay away long. But he got out. He got off the ship. Forget burning the cargo. He just got off the ship. And all of that worry and embarrassment that came with what he did, that choice, and all of the complications that came with him abandoning ship, he could have missed entirely if he just would have Sabbathed. Just had some rest in his life. He had a list of things to do for building his homes and going to church and doing, but he didn't have any time in there for just him and God to just rest. How do you avoid burning the cargo? Two things have to be in your heart, and then I can give you the how-to. The first one is this. I have to determine that God's, God's laws are blessings, they're not burdens. And number two, I have to determine this. I will follow and not fuss. I don't do that well either. But it is a determination that when I wake up in the morning, this is a day the Lord has made. I am going to rejoice and be glad in it, even when he's asked me to do some tough stuff. Because there will be the joy of the Lord in it if I see his laws, not as burdens, but blessings. And if I determine I will follow, but I am not going to fuss. Hear the word of the Lord again. In Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17 and 18. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you what's best for you, who directs you in the way that you should go. If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would be like that of a river. Wow. That sounds like a gift. And I'm inviting you to open it. One of my favorite theologians in the world, Mark Twain, said this. Most people are bothered by those scriptural passages which they cannot understand. But you know, for me, the passages in scripture which trouble me most are those I do understand. I think it's often true that Christians would rather discuss difficult passages, he says, and try to create some understanding about them rather than just take the easy passages and obey. I will follow and not fuss because I know that his laws are a blessing, not a burden. He's actually trying to give me a gift if I'll just let him. I think all laws, I think all rules, at least at some point, sound like they're a burden more so than a blessing. But I got a call that helped remind me of how my father feels when I obey. Lauren called me uh, the spring of her sophomore year. Lauren's my oldest. She said, Dad, I want to thank you for one particular rule that you and Mom had for my life that I hated at times. And I said, which one? There were more than just one. She said, not allowing me to date till I was 16, and then only allowing double dating till I was 18. She said, I know I balked at that, 
She said, I know I snarled over that. I said, remember, you were furious over that. She said, yeah, yeah, I know. But I've been here at college for almost two years now, listening to all the junk that my friends went through who dated differently. Over and over they have said they weren't mature enough to handle guys at that age. She said, I had a guest professor come in today. Why it took a guest professor, I don't know. But he had the exact same rules for his girls. And both of them have made phone calls to him or sent letters to him thanking him for those rules. And she said, so I'm making mine today. Thank you. You saved me from a lot of pain. And I said, no, thank you. You saved us from a lot of pain. (laughs) Now, I'm not going to say my daughters didn't fuss as they followed, but they followed. And they came to find out later that really those rules that mom and dad set it for them were blessings, not burdens. And I'm asking you, just remember. Remember the stuff you have been following, the stuff that has been blessing your life. If this really hasn't done well for you or, or been something you've made a priority, just walk in it a while, all right? And I think you'll see that it's true. He really does want the best for us. Now, he can make you lie down. He can. Shepherds of old often had to do that with sheep. They had to become stressed. When they became pushed or hassled and didn't know when to stop, the shepherd would take them by one of their ears and twist that until from the pain they would lie down. Remember the 23rd Psalm? And he makes me lie down beside green pastures. Some of you, he has to make lie down. And he will. And when it does, it usually involves some time flat on your back and it involves doctors in your face and insurance companies in your wallet. Now, that's painful. And it's expensive. And you can go that route. Or you can follow and not fuss. So, Jimmy, can we get to the how to? Yes, here we go. Here's the how to. Ready? Just do it. There you go. Just do it. I'm talking to creative, intelligent, motivational, organizational people. You can figure this out. James says in chapter 1 and verse 22, Be doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He who looks into the perfect law, the law of freedom, and stays after it, being no hearer that forgets, but a doer that acts, he shall be blessed in all his doing. Get you some of that. Oswald Chambers says, if you are religious, it's easier to read some pious book other than the Bible. Because the Bible treats you like a human life. Roughly. It's not an issue of some guiding principles that will help you get started. It's a decision in your, I am going to follow my Lord's lead. He doesn't just say you need to rest. He rested. An interesting thing happens also in the book of Genesis. Remember, each of those days follows by evening and morning. It was the first day and evening and morning, the second day, evening and morning, the third day. It's like something was completed. You don't find that on the Sabbath day. It just says God rested. Because it's not completed. He's been resting ever since. Not resting from not doing anything. But resting. 
And you know what that is. And he invites you to come get in it with you. Now, here are a couple of guiding principles that I want to help you with that have helped the sportsmen. And really, we didn't start doing this until about 10 years ago in my second marriage. Wished it would have been done in the first. It probably would have avoided our divorce. But with Gail and I, we started doing this about 10 years ago. The first thing we did is we decided to be prayerful about it. You do not have because you don't ask. Boy, James is blunt, isn't he? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if you really are praying that, God wants some rest in that life. And I can promise you this, when it becomes a prayer priority, you'll think it, it just will start to change. No novelty, it just will happen. Number two, be intentional. Please make rest a part of your schedule. I've learned Sabbath never comes accidentally. Ever. Never. We had to put it into the sportsman's schedule. We had to plan for it like we would plan for a vacation or plan for a dinner or plan for going to church. Yes, I want my girls to eat regularly. Yes, I want them to exercise regularly. But I want them to go to church regularly. But I want them to rest regularly. And so we taught them that. That we scheduled that into the sportsman's life. And sometimes it couldn't all be on one day. So we come to the third principle. Be flexible. Don't be pharisaical about this. Be flexible. I'm not going to tell you what your rest is because I don't know. It's your family. You have the guiding principle. Now make it fit your family. But make it fit. Fit it in there. And you'll be blessed by it. I'm in a season of life that's different from probably some of you. I'm an empty nester now. Our kids have been raised and they're grown and they're gone. It's a little easier for us to schedule it now than it would be for those who have smaller children. But what we learned is our kids kind of moved from them into the middle school and high school age. It got easier, not even harder. I know their schedules kind of picked up. But actually, we could go and do things like hike together and like read together and ride bikes together. So as they got older and more mobile, we found cool places to just go rest and detach from the rest of the world. And our girls hated it on Sundays. But on most days, they will tell you, they loved it. Because the sportsmen's got real good at just being together. Playing cards. Watching sunsets. And it was great. Now this one didn't make the top guiding principles. I should have put in here. Guys, be mindful of mom. Or whoever does the cooking in the family on that particular day. In your budget, set aside the eating out times to be on those uh, uh, Sabbath days when you're not pressed and pushed and going. You really enjoy dinner better that way. And it also gives mom a break from cooking on the Sabbath. Mom, if you still need to do some cooking, try as best you can to do as much of that beforehand. And here's news for the rest of the family. Help her. She'd like to rest too. And it's not easy. Mom, say amen. There we go, sisters. Let's talk. We can do this thing if we believe that his laws are not Burdens, but they're blessings. We can do this thing if I will decide. I am not going to fuss. I'm going to follow. And a couple of general principles here. Be prayerful about it. Be intentional about it. Be flexible about it. And the last one, just learn to be. Be. Jesus said, Martha, Martha. Mary, Mary has chosen that which is the best thing, the better thing. And it will never 
be taken from her. Isn't that interesting that he uses that as a closing? Because you see, when we learn to rest in God, that will never be taken from us. A month ago, I wasn't doing this very well. Confession time. I was just learning to preach again, and that's a learning process. I'm still in that process of learning how to preach again. And all the details that go with it, like PowerPoint slides and all this kind of stuff. But a month ago, I wasn't doing too well. I'd said yes to a job that I'd forgotten how demanding it was. But then on top of that, I started a series. I chose the series that had lots of moving parts in it. The Shape for Greatness series with the potter and all that stuff. Wow, what a logistical nightmare. I had no idea how much stuff was involved. I never know how much stuff is involved with it. That's why I married Gail Crabtree, sportsman. She always knows how much stuff and says, whoa. Well, no one was telling me, whoa, it's too early in our relationship yet with our staff. Next time they'll say, whoa, we should have started the progress for this and the process for it about six months ago. But you know what suffered during that one-month series? My Sabbath. My Sabbath. I got little sections, like maybe two or three hours, maybe, maybe, maybe four at the most. But I missed my entire day of just being Being, not accomplishing, not achieving, not constructing, just being. And I'm sure it showed. And so I'm trying to repent of that. I'm doing a real good job of repenting from that. I had two connected days this week of not doing a whole lot. One thing is, Gail's gone. She really is. She's in Lubbock doing a shower. And sometimes it's easier to Sabbath when you're by yourself. And so some of the things that Gail and I would do when we, were had, when we were parents of smaller children is we would take turns. Listen, this isn't really easy to do with all of us. Why don't you go have some hours to yourself? And then next week she would take some, and then I would take some. I know it's complicated. But I'm inviting you. Just do it. For his sake and for yours. So we get this cargo of ours to the destination that we've all hoped for. Amen. Father in heaven, we love you. And we thank you this morning. We realize that there there are enough hours in the day to get everything done that you need for us to do. What we confuse, Father, is what we want to do and what we need to do. So I'm asking you first, for all of us as a church family, would you help us sort through that? And would you... Help those of us who suffer severely from Martha Plexi to be healed today. I'm asking you, God, come and be with us. Heal our, our sick, driven, stressed out, overworked schedule. Touch it in a specific way. Help us maybe today before the sun sets to eliminate a couple of things so that we can rest. Father, if you brought some people here today who could never rest, no matter how much Sabbath that they had because they've never given their lives to you, would you please give them the courage to step out and come find me, one of our elders, and to say, I I can't rest very well with this sin in my life. I want to get rid of it. I want to turn it over to God and start over. Father, will you help this be the best gift that they have ever received today, you moving in, you coming to be with them. And for those of us who have, have said yes, but we really haven't been very good followers of the Prince of Peace, 
Would you help us, Father, have this fruit come alive inside us? Show us whatever we need to do to make room for it to grow. We ask it humbly but boldly in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. We're going to sing a song that you need to think about before you say it. Make sure it's right, John. Trust and obey.